Hey guys, it's Robert Gardner with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I have Jenny Mapes on the program. She's just outside Seattle. Really anxious to talk with her. And Jenny, can you uh, introduce yourself and let them know where they can find you online? Yes, thank you, Robert. Hi guys, my name is Jenny Mapes. I am with Cross Function Sports Massage. Our website is crossfunctionmassage.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. We have Instagram too. We're getting more into that. (laughs) (laughs) Takes time. And then your Instagram and your Facebook start communicating and you're like, oh God, (laughs) what is this nightmare? Yeah. (laughs) Thankfully they have a share button. So whatever you post on Instagram will then show up on Facebook. So that's helpful. (laughs) So what do you want to uh, dive into today? Um, I know that you contacted me or I first noticed you, I think you commented on the podcast video that I did with uh, Sean Kitzman. Um, Right. Yeah. And what was it about that that uh, drew you in specifically? Right. The sports massage community in a whole, it's, it's growing, it's a growing industry, but um, it's still it's still small. I mean, we all have our niches within massage and so ours is the sports. And what I really liked about him was first of all, he does Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I did that for a couple of years. Um, and he's in that, that sports, that sports field. I've also worked with some pro, um, with movement specialists. I've worked with some, some pro baseball players. And so learning that he, he, that's his niche is a really good connection. And then just a lot of what you guys talked about in that particular podcast really resonated with me. I was like, I found my people. <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> we're a small subset and we're cranky. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. We, most sports people are, tend to be type A personalities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a little bit about my story. I trained for the 2012 London Olympics in the high jump. I did not make it like most people who trained for the Olympics, but I got out of IT and into massage because of it. Um, I'm a 17-year movement specialist working with everybody from those who run 5Ks all the way up to the professional and elite level, and really melding those two. So when I was doing my Olympic training, at one point in time, I was doing a sprint and pulled my quad, and I went to physical therapist, I went to um, a sports med doctor, gave me pills and told me to rest. The physical therapist told me to do these stretches and exercises and nothing was getting better. And at that time, I only knew massage to be the traditional face down, face up, underneath the covers, very soft. And that wasn't helping either. And then I saw this orthopedic massage person just accidentally ran into him at the PT office. And he was like, oh, you got scar tissue here in your quad. And he raked that thing out. And I felt so good for the first time in months. And I was like, what is this? How can I do this? How can I help others with this? Because that injury could have set me back from reaching my goals. So because of that experience, I said, you know what? I've been working with athletes for years now. I'm going to get into the sports massage realm and help other therapists become massage uh, sports massage therapists as well so that's the journey and path that we're on so you're a therapist but you're also working towards education or you're already working in education no i'm a ncb tmb certified instructor for sports massage and we're creating a sports massage certificate program right now um, that has a whole bunch of different facets involved with it so i've been an educator for three years now in the sports realm for sports massage yeah 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 
Yeah, most people, in my experience, um, with the broader public and then also with the broader massage community, I keep begging them to take out their phone and just, you know, show people what we do. Like your story, like, why well, didn't know massage, you know, dealt with scar tissue or dealt with sort of chronic issue I was having. Um, I see that repeatedly. And the only antidote is for therapists to educate people. Like they don't, they just don't know until they know and they're not going to, you know, news at 10, like they're not going to get, you know, stuff in their, their media, so to speak on the news, unless therapists are putting that information out. Like, um, the conversation I've had recently with people like Sean and then I say Joshua Wentz was on yesterday. Um, it's a bit of interesting to hear. It's like the clients come to us and they, it's a last resort. Right. Like, right. Like I, I talk to the PTs and I talk to these people and those people and it's a last resort. And I'm like, why wouldn't they go to soft tissue people like early, like first? And it's like, it's because they don't know. Our industry is growing and that niche is small right now. One of the great things that these spas, these spa chains have done over the past, I would say 10 years is get the massage, just the thought of massage out there, right? Because yeah. I can even remember when I was playing, playing sports in high school and then in the 90s, massage was not very as well known. Um, now we're into the medical community and we're starting to get connected with all those medical, the, the, the sports chiros and sports acupuncturists, even another growing and emerging field. Yeah. Um, and then you have the sports massage, uh, sports physical therapist. So because we're starting to make those connections with those groups, I think it's becoming more and more known, but it is a small industry and a small niche. And I don't think at this time, a lot of schools are promoting that orthopedic side of massage as much as they are just getting massage out there still. So those larger industries have done a great job of showing to the world and to the public what massage can be. But now we're going to take it a step further and now introduce that orthopedic um, injury prevention, injury correction field. So I'm looking forward to these next 10, 20, 30 years, seeing how massage yep. continues to grow and evolve in that. What I, it, it, it parallels something I, I keep saying is we have massage envy and I always pick on massage envy because they're just the largest <laughs> employer of therapists in the United States. Right. <laughs> They've created the standardized come in once a month, get a massage for your health, well-being, you know. And now that we've got McDonald's, now you have right. for in and out what a burger, like steak shake, you know, like on Freddy's burgers and custard, we know what a Freddy's five guys, burgers and fries. Now you've got room for all these little niche things. And what I hear from therapists is, well, the market's saturated. And I go, Oh, saturated for what? Like even saying massage sometimes. I'm like, guys, like <clears throat> I'm one of the only educators who constantly is is told by his own industry that what he does is not massage. And that's the most confusing thing ever because it's like, okay, so the industry that has a license in most states to do what I teach is saying they don't recognize what I do as being for them. That's a really precarious and murky, like legal situation. Right. Yeah, that, that's definitely a challenge. And, and uh, I think another thing is, is, I'm trying to remember which one of your um, interviewees you were talking to. I believe it was the gentleman yesterday 
regarding our education system. I think once we maybe like get a two tier system like Canada has. Uh, or that was Michael something. Arbuckle. Yeah. Michael That's who it was. Yeah. He, he kind of wants yeah. tiers where there's yeah. separating basically like spa and then like more medical grade, like manual therapy. Yeah. Well, when, if we can get something like that accomplished, um, it will do a couple things. One, it will allow people to still do massage in a spa setting the way they want to without having to have expensive and long education, but it will still get them in the field. But second, it will get us more into the light of those doctors and therapists that have had these high technical degrees and actually get our name to be able to show that we know what we're talking about and that we're able to get massage and soft tissue mobilization into the community more um, with the way that we do it. Because we see the body in a way, in a much, a little different light than those other, um, just no matter what industry you're in, you're going to see it in a different, different light, like the same injury or the same issue, just in a different lens. And so if we can get our lens out there, but we have to, I think we just have to continue with our education programs um, to be able to let them think like, not necessarily think we know what we know because we know what we're talking about, but for them, they need the, the, the stamp to show that that's kind of what we're talking about in order to, sure. I don't know. That's just kind of my thoughts on, on how this, this industry is so that we can get recognition in the medical community a little well, bit more. Giving nuance to the conversation, you're in Washington state. Are you doing much insurance billing? My company is, yes, we do. Okay, because Washington State, um, uh, by the way, I have been banned from several Washington State massage therapist groups because I don't like the message very much. Always happy to say hello to those therapists, you know. Um, are, are you too politically incorrect, Robert? <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, and the thing is, again, you know, I don't, I don't hear this from Eric Dalton. I don't hear it from James Wozlowski. I don't, you know, and I don't think my work is far off from those guys, by the way. It's right. just, my work is clothes on mat base. It looks more like right. Brazilian jiu-jitsu than it does massage. So <laughs> I constantly get this, this isn't massage. And I'm like, great, I'll go teach it to the yoga community globally. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, guys, like I keep trying to give this to you and you keep fighting with me. Like I don't do it because it's ineffective. Like, right. you know, I, me, I'm arrogant. I'm abrasive. I've survived. Like I make money doing this. Like the clients like it and go, why isn't this everywhere? And I'm like, cause massage therapists keep telling me it's not massage. And they're like, what? <laughs> so it's soft uh, tissue mobilization. That's what <laughs> massage is. But it's it's like, just a different form. It doesn't recognize, it doesn't look like the box they're taught to be sold in school. That's what the issue is. None like, of us are in that box. Like, I have a, an online subscription service and here's what I tell students. And, and the thing is, I've had some people criticize this because I said my marketing is off because if I'm trying to sell it to massage therapists, attacking massage regulation or whatever isn't going to help my case. Like I'm trying to get them to evolve past this, but right. Less than 1% of the massage marketplace is mat-based. I teach less than 1% of that 1%. That's, that's what I do right now. The, the whole thing is, in Washington State, you can build insurance. So Washington State massage therapists have this thing about, you know, we're healthcare professionals. And I go, yeah, I don't want anything to do with insurance in any way, shape, or form. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, this gives us legitimacy. And I'm like, no, I don't need outsider telling me that my shit works. Like... I don't need outside legitimacy and I don't want an insurance company dictating how long my session is 
or how I work with the client to be able to help them because each situation is completely different. I'm ornery about that, but in an entrepreneurial space, I'm like, listen, every time, like I'm, I, I don't make a huge amount of money. I'm like, do I make enough? Yes. Keep going. <laughs> I have to, I have to train the marketplace and Michael Arbuckle and, had, and I had this conversation because he looks at it like I'm making content just for massage therapists. And I'm like, Michael, I make content for everyone on the internet. Mm-hmm. The clients get to find me, the students get to find me, the yoga teachers get to find me, whoever it is. Like I'm not invested in this box. Like I'm trying to destroy it. And while I'm not making state laws re- related to soft tissue manipulation or massage, it's like it just doesn't fit into the normal paradigm the way people think of it. Yeah, and I don't think that we should fit into paradigms. Uh, I think there are so many amazing niches out there. Like you have the Thai massage. We need one of the main client issues that I see in my practice with everybody because we are so hunched forward. We are so anteriorly rotated with our shoulder is that we need to open up that anterior thoracic cavity. And for our group and for what I teach is sideline to do that, not pregnancy sideline, but on side top line. of the table oh in shorts that's, and that's an what? <laughs> And there's like active isolated stretching. Yeah. There's all these other different techniques that you can do to open up that anterior thoracic out, uh, cavity. And you do time massage to do that. And in I just having that that structure. So there's a lot of different ways that you can attack that inward shrugged anteriorly rotated position in a myriad of realms and you can people don't have to silo into what a massage is like you can find your niche and get really deep and really good into that niche and so yours is Thai massage you're really really good at it I've seen some of your 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 courses that you have on are fantastic it's all all an illusion we just make video to fool you (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, but the thing is, but people but make assumptions <laughs> about the fact that you made content, <clears throat> and that's the whole thing. Like, you're in my industry and made assumptions that I'm really good at what I do just because I was willing to make video. Absolutely, but that isn't isn't the aren't those assumptions what isn't it an assumption for anybody <laughs> for anything yeah, that that's really, how like, it works? Just because, man, if you're a rapper but you're willing to take out your phone and make a minute long rhyme on TikTok. You're now a professional. You're in. <laughs> I mean, I saw one. It was on TikTok. The guy was driving an Uber, and he, like, set up his camera, and it's, like, basically the guy was, like, hey, if you don't like my rap, your Uber is free. And they're, like, okay. And he just, <laughs> he's got a beat going, and he just throws out a rhyme, and he's recording it, and they're just cracking up laughing because it's, it's so well done, you know. But it's like, that's the state of like media marketing that we're in. And that's the state of media marketing that our industry is not adapting to extremely rapidly. <clears throat> you know, it's Oh, like, I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. There's, yeah. um, we're, I don't want to give too bad of a rap to the massage community, but we're a little behind the times in several different areas. And that would definitely be an aspect. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure. Why do you think that is? Um, I, I think there's a, a variety of factors. So <clears throat> each state is going to be different. Washington state may be a little different. Again, they tend to look at it as like we're healthcare providers. We build insurance across the United States. It's probably a little bit closer to what we have here in Texas. It's a 500 hour program. You only have to have a high school diploma. So you're not getting people of higher education, um, college education as often in the massage community. 
you have a lot of people who are 18 or 19 years old. Your school takes federal student loans. So it's like, okay, I can work fast food or I can make 60 to $80 an hour doing massage. Ooh. Right? <laughs> so I think the, the community that we work with as well, like there's a lot of people who it's like, I don't want to criticize their science background, but there's a lot of energetically inclined people who want to help people. Um, they don't have another manual trade like a mechanic or an ACH back guy or, you know, plumber or something. So massage seems to be this way to like work with people directly, connect with people, not connect with a device. They're not really interested in technology. They're actually interested in, you know, oh, you know, I touch people and make them feel better. I think that's part of the primary issue that we're having is like people that wind up in the massage therapy field. And then I hear stories all the time about, you know, the average therapist coming out of school, it's only like five years. So within that five years, they can't really become, you know, a musculoskeletal pain expert. You know, I've been working for 18 years. How long have you been working? In massage? Yeah. Uh, since 2012. So how long has that been? Well, that's eight years. It's eight years. Yeah. So you've already gone past, you know, the, like the, the, the baseline. And In that's the massage the community, yeah. Yeah. It's like if you're a blacksmith, you know, you might be good at year five, but what do you look at like in year 25? That's right. what the difference is. This degree of like manual therapy, and I tend to use that word at this stage, um, this degree of, you know, somebody comes in with a pain problem and I'm like, oh yeah, it's probably urine for spinatus. Come here. And they're like, right. how did you know that? And it's like, right. it's just pattern recognition from having done right. so many sessions. Right. And I think one of the things that even though I've only been in the massage industry for eight years, I've been a movement specialist for 17 years. And so I came from more of the biomechanical background, like the, the seeing micro, I love the word micro movements. Yeah. And I'm watching those micro movements when, within people's, the way their gait cycle is, the way their range of motion is. You're looking at the way their hips work. Like, is there a, um, what we call upper cross or lower cross syndrome? Like you can check those out. You can do different tests for that. So, so I come from that training and that background. And so I could see spots where people were, I'm not going to say the word stuck because that's not very scientifically correct, but you can see where things are not moving the way they're supposed to move. And, and at that time I, I couldn't touch it to fix it because I didn't have the license to touch. Yeah. So I was like, well, there's gotta be a way to unstick this area. <laughs> and, um, and so I felt like I was missing that in my movement training. And so that's another reason why I got my massage license so that I could actually be able to touch some someone yeah, to make you, it better you kind of went in the opposite direction because I, right. I, I do the, the soft tissue stuff uh, sean kitzman and i will have conversations about this my correctives and assessments aren't as great my manual mm -hmm. therapy work like hands-on manipulation of soft tissue is awesome but i'm trying to learn like i'm kind of going the opposite direction but i could tell you already had like a head start when we started school yeah. And some of the things that I felt in, I had an incredible training. I got trained by Alexander School of Natural Therapeutics in Tacoma, Washington. And Bill Thompson and, and Alicia Alexander are incredible people. And they really did a good job of teaching us uh, those types of things. Um, from what I have seen as an employer, and then just looking around the community, a lot of 
educational programs are lacking that uh, assessment, those assessment skills, uh, skill set. And so I think that also trickles into the massage practice, because if a, if a therapist doesn't know how to, to do those types of assessments or those types of things, they're not going to bring it into their practice. It, has, it hasn't been ingrained in them. So it's definitely a learning curve for a lot of massage therapists, I think, because so, we get so focused on the touch side of it and maybe less so on the how is the before and after. So yeah, I come, my, my background comes a little bit different at a different angle than how most people's, uh, massage careers are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, three things that I've found helpful for my massage sessions, like is what we tend to do when we bring people in is first we assess their movement prior to session. What's their range of motion? What, like, what is, what is it that they're coming in for? And like yours, my people are pretty much in tank top and shorts on top of a table and we do 30 minute or hour sessions like hey what's going on today and they would say you know my having trouble with my shoulder and when I'm serving a tennis ball or whatever so you're looking at that range of motion seeing kind of where the catch is um, there's a few muscle uh, range of motion assessments and um, um, muscle strength tests that you can do um, so we'll assess those movements and then look at those micro movement patterns like oh does their shoulder need to be like, is it in the wrong position a little bit? Is it a little bit elevated compared to the other side? Is, is the, the torso a little twisted, especially in most sports have some type of transverse movements that are involved with them. Um, and so we'll assess the movement. We'll um, learn those micro movement patterns. And then the third one is to just, um, uh, if massage therapists can like learn their body mechanics and different tools that they can help with their career longevity. I feel that they just come in and they do these different they like treat people, but they're not paying attention to their body mechanics or other things that could help them with their careers. Like they don't love their thumbs and they're using their thumbs for absolutely everything. And then oh, suddenly five years I later, just, they can't just, use their just, hands. Just pin me to my wall here. Oh. <laughs> it's like you're killing their thumbs. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? These I always tell them, love your thumbs. Like put some bracing what, on what there. What I don't like, understand don't is be like, doing I this. Teach- I put people on that. I teach people how to just stand on people or kneel on people like knees and my body weight is big tools. Like where did anybody decide that this was the most powerful thing you could do deep tissue? I'm like, what is the, like, I don't understand. Like we have other tools. Why can we not evolve? It's like the, the therapist will take a class with me and, and granted, like there's some therapists that might be a little skeptical. They'll take a, a beginner's intro time massage class with me. They're doing mat work for the first time and they go, wow, this is really like, this is really deep and effective, but it like saves my body. (laughs) And the whole thing is I go, yeah, like that's what I've been saying forever. And they go, oh, uh, will you give me a job? And I go, huh? Because they want me to open the facility and hire them because they don't want to run the business. And I go, absolutely not. It's not, it's not what I'm trying to do. And they're like, oh, it's like, oh, this, this is, this is pain. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, literally, you know, the first like CE course I put out online was carpal tunnel because mm-hmm. my, my own people are developing problems with their hands and arms because there's too much compressive force on this. Yeah. And if you think about it again, when I talk about those micro movements, if you have your wrist 
um, in that 90 degree angle and you're pressing a lot in that direction, where do you think the momentum and I mean, just physics, if you go, it's going to go right up your arm. So, so if you can get everything into a, a plane, a lateral plane of, then you're going to have less impact on your joints and thumbs and especially people that have more um, flexible fingers, where does, where does the joint stop and start bending again? That's where you're going to get the compressive force. And so you're going to, I'm wondering how much the longevity of a massage therapist is five years. We could extend that way longer by using those tools. And people think tools are, are something like rock floss or Graston or those types of things. But as you mentioned, knees can be tools Elbows can be tools. You're like, there's so many different ways that you can use your body to be able to extend your career. And it really needs to be taught. Online. So I'm having a, a text, you know, conversation with somebody in a Facebook group. They still think I'm teaching this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, boxing is not Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's not the same thing. Like, I don't, they're like, well, well you know, why don't you use a table? And I'm like, because it's useless. Like, <laughs> it, it, means, it means I can only use the upper half of my body. You know, it's like, why do I have to get on a table? Like, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll make you know, jokes with students and it's like uh, between table and mat. Cause I teach both by the way. Like I teach, right. both. like I, I, I try to have them understand. It's like, if they can't do my work on the bus to a stranger, they can't really understand what it is I'm doing because I don't feel limited. Um, by like where I start it's just once you have a broader base and a platform it's like you wouldn't want to you know get up on the table because the table typically is like a smaller mat right like I'll see this in a table tie class for instance I'll teach students table tie but I start I start infusing almost mat based body mechanics into it and then you can see them slowly start to get on the table. And when you get on the table in Western culture, it starts to change like cultural context and parameters in a way where people get fired. Like you can't get on the table with a client of massage They're going to fire you. They have a corporate policy that you have to keep one foot on the floor at all times. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it definitely starts breaching into that ethics, depending on what state you're in or what company you're in. Um, I know. Ethics. super fun. Huh? Oh my God. Well, no, <laughs> I, I, my, I was a philosophy student. My focus was on ethics and existentialism. So I'm like, yeah, ethics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know all about that. <laughs> and you know, all the ways to, to, to twist that, to make it so that it's still oh, viable. I yeah. I missed my calling as a lawyer. Like I, I read contracts and I'm like, Ooh, that's the angle. I read law in Texas and I'm like, ah, that's how they made the loophole for themselves. You know, like, it's all like language and jargon. Yeah. Well, and I think a way, um, so how we do it is in a thing that I see a big problem with in the massage therapy industry is people put their tables too high. Use your hips, use your legs for leverage. Don't use your upper body for leverage. Pressing down from your hips up only gives you first like less than half your body weight that you can put on someone. But second, again, back to the body mechanics, you're, you're going to be in a crunched position. If you can put that table very, very low, when you can then lean into what it is that you are doing and that that will give you your, your force comes from the, let's just start with um, uh, just simple biomechanics. 
your force comes from the ground. So whatever you press on your foot is going to then go through your body and whatever is compressing on the person. So as in, you can change your foot angle, even like one inch to get a little bit more pressure or less pressure, but from the ground. So you're going to have more strength if you're pressing from the ground and using your hips with the table lower than you will with the table higher. You just lost a lot of that, that ability to I, have that. I'm not even really inside table. I, I express yeah. this and I've dealt with it for so many years. It's like, I just want more diversity and I want a therapist to have a broader tool set. That's really all I teach. Like they don't even call I it. Love it. It's like, it's just more tools. Like when you come in and talk about correctives and assessments, I don't go, well, that's not, no, like, you know, stuff I don't like I learn from my colleagues and peers as part of the reason I do the podcast. Cause now I'm, I'm interested in you and Sean Kitzman and Joshua Wentz and the got stuff you guys are doing related to sports and, you know, correctives. It's just the therapists seem to be locked into this small box and they don't want even to like break free of it. They complain about their hands hurting. They complain about making <laughs> not enough money. They're not willing to do the things they have to do to like expand outside of it, to like actually stand out and offer something that is, I don't want to say beyond massage, but it's like, the students who study with me, for instance, start to go, well, what do I call it? Because they can't sell massage. They can't sell table cream, glide, and nudity and do my work at its fullest. They're like, well, how do I get clients? And I'm like, you work your ass off like I do. You start a podcast, have a blog, create video, let people know you work on chronic pain, connect with people. And they're like, oh, but that's work. <laughs> it is. And that's why... We need employees, but we also need business owners. <laughs> and, and that's, that's a, a prime difference between a business owner and an employee. An employee just wants to go and do their skill, do their skill set, do what they're supposed to do, and then go home for the day and not have to worry about the hours behind the scenes of doing your books and doing all the stuff that's involved to be able to grow the business and continue growing it. Cause you can't just start with word of mouth and then call it good. You have to continuously you, work on your business. Do you have staff in a facility that you run? Yes. I'm actually in my facility right here, right now at my empty facility. And yes, I have, um, there are, I have four staff members currently and we just moved into a larger space right before COVID shut us down mm -hmm. and we have the ability to have another three yeah. therapists. Yeah. Are you looking forward to expanding post COVID? 100%. Yeah. So we're actual, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Um, we, so I opened up another business. Um, I guess I have the entrepreneurial spirit here, but, um, I needed to stay from the medical and HIPAA side and then the, the health and club side, uh, health club and gym side. So, um, I opened up cross-function sports recovery, which is an entire recovery facility that I'm actually in right now. Um, so we built that and put sports massage inside of it. So that's, that's how our business is right now. How do you mm -hmm. find the, uh, the process of like, what I want to say is management, but the business side of like managing therapists. Um, and I'm, I don't know if you have contractors or if they're employees, but. Oh, I definitely have employees. I will never do independent contractors. Okay. Um, with employees, first you have more, I'm not even going to say control over the situation, but, but you do, you, you. Um, with an independent expectation yeah yeah and and they know what to do they and and i think it gives somebody a sense of, of confidence but it depends on how you run your company like for me yes i have employees but 
I let them, if I, I let them like, Hey, I want to take the day off. Awesome. Like I'm not confined to rules and regulations like a lot of larger corporations are. Cause I think that's why a lot of people want to step out of those massage MDs and other groups like that is because I, and I even worked in a spa for several years. Um, and I had to be on premise the entire time, whether I had a client or not, because they might drop in and that gets really constrictive. Like you can't go anywhere. You're, you're stuck to these hours, whether you're making money or not. And I just, I hated, I, I'm a, I'm a free spirit. I, I, I don't want, somebody can't tell me that I have to stay here in my seat when I don't have clients for three hours. Like, why can't I go to the store or go to something else and block out my time? So I give my therapist a lot more freedom that a lot of places might not have, but, um, and, and I pay them well. <laughs> so, um, the, so, but when you own, like when you have employees, you can like determine what they're wearing, what their schedule is. Like, um, these are the rules of how we do things like this is allowed. This is not allowed. When you have an independent contractor, they're, they're, they're working in your space, but, but they can define it's their, business you're basically contracting them out so they could be using a lotion that you don't agree with like we can't use cbd oil i'm not against it but we can't use any cbd products because we work with a lot of olympic and, and high level athletes where if they get tested i don't care how clean the product is if they get tested and they test positive guess who's going to get sued guess yeah. who's going to get blamed and um so we just don't use it but if i had an independent contractor i I can't control these types of things well, as much. So if you have employees, how do you find, because I don't have this experience, I don't run a facility. So like I see students in my classes and I go, you want a job? I'm, you ain't got the hustle I need. <laughs> like, I got like I'd almost, I'd hire you. Like if you came to me and say, hey, I want a job. I'm like, all right, let's figure it out. But the thing is like, how do you find the management is of the employees? Like I'm interested in that because I don't have any experience of it. Yes, that's a good question. Um, there's a saying that you hire slow and fire quick. <laughs> I hire slow. So I've, there's a lot of people that want to work with us, especially after they've taken one of our courses and they're like, wow, I want to be a part of this. And I'm like, how about you do the things we teach you in your location and then we can proliferate our sports massage network and yeah. th thus be able to expand sports massage as a whole which is my main goal but with employees I digress but with employees um managing them is not challenging because I have a really good staff and we're all like family members so I do a interview process where first of all I need an employee okay we are going to not only hunt for people, we are going to learn all about them, what they like, what they don't like. Will they fit with our culture? Will they fit with like what our vision is? Then I'll sit them down and we'll have like a discussion and I'll see if the two of us like, I don't want to say vibe, but if, if, if it seems to fit and they understand the philosophy, maybe they've taken a course or they learned a little bit about sports massage. I want to know what their background is and just how they communicate with things. And then I actually do a, if I'm still not quite sure, I have them do like a 20 minute thing on me. Um, and I'll be on in like a tank top and shorts. Like, okay, show me what you got. Cause I want to know what I've got to work with. Like somebody could be really good at, at telling what they can do, but when they actually are hands on, you can tell there, there's some disconnect or something's not happening. You're like, mm, I don't know. This might be 
there might be a lot of steps to take to be able to train this person. So the therapists that I have are very independent. They're very, um, they know what they're doing. They've had years of training. Um, I, sports massage is a niche. So I feel that when you first start with massage, you get the, what I call traditional massage, that box, and you learn how to do that box. But I'm looking for people that are wanting to do outside that box. And so they're taking training like yours or a sports massage class or a, um, uh, myoskeletal or MAT class or something with some, some type of, uh, kinesiology degree or something where they're, they're wanting to learn about the biomechanics of, of movement. So I look for those types of factors before I hire. <laughs> so it takes a while. It takes up to, it's about a four month process for me to find one person. Yeah. And it's interesting for me to hear that, to see how you structured it, you know, again, just based on the basic idea of like, uh, was it fire quickly and hire slowly? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some truth to that. <laughs> and so it's, uh, and we, our therapists have been on staff for years. I mean, I had, I've had my own business as a solopreneur. I've been inside of a spa as an employee. I've been a director of a spa. Um, so I've had these different experiences, I think, that help when we're doing that hiring process to know what we're looking for and what not to look for. <laughs> I just laughed about a spa. It's like I, I tell students this. I'm like, listen, guys, I work for myself. I've been fired a lot of times. <laughs> and it's not because my body work isn't good. They're just like, this guy got to go. He's not, he's not fitting our corporate culture of mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did get, get talked to once. And this is where I was about ready to form my exit strategy. Um, was, was I got talked to because I had this one lady who came in and she had plantar fasciitis and I was like, Oh, that sucks. Let's help that out. Yeah. So they were like, how come this one lady has come in and seen you? uh, once a week for the last four weeks, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm working on her feet. She has plantar fasciitis. And they're like, Oh, well, we don't treat injuries here. And I said, yes, but we're doing that. And then I had another lady who had a shoulder issue and there we're working on shoulders and doing sideline. And she was telling some of her people and it somehow worked up to the corporate level that I was working on people's uh, shoulder injuries in this one sport. And they were, um, they were like, yeah, Jenny, we're really spa. We're about relaxation and about just making people feel better. And I'm like, well, I'm making feel, people feel better too. And I'm actually getting them mobile so they can do what they want to do. Okay. Exit strategy. <laughs> I heard that conversation. There was a class I taught locally for a facility. And the conversation I had with one of my colleagues uh, privately was, he was like, man, there's a problem. This was after I had done the training and I was like, okay, what's the problem? And then we talked about it a little bit and I'm like, okay, so what you're telling me is what I teach is extremely easy for the therapist to deliver. So it's not harming them. And they're like, absolutely. And what you're telling me is what I do is extremely effective for pain management and clients and the clients love it. He's like, absolutely. And you're telling me that you and the facility owner are making more money because you're doing what I taught. And he said, absolutely. And I said, okay, what's the problem? He's like, well, it's not what they teach. And I go, okay, if he doesn't want something that's effective, easier on your body and great for people, I don't have anything to offer. <laughs> like, so 
like it sounds like you just created Uber in the tech cab industry, and they're like, no, we, this is not what we do. And I'm like, but it's more effective. You just told me it was. <laughs> yeah, it's solving issues it's solving their issues it's making them money like how is this a bad thing i don't know <laughs> well the, the pain management you, you tell me this um because you work in sports how many athletes maybe get over the hump of some sort of pain issue or joint mobility restriction and then they still come to see you just for maintenance oh it's all about re it's prehab yeah it's all about prehab yeah because they find you because they're hurting and yeah. The thing that I have found with massage businesses is they, they don't name their business right so people don't know to come to them because <laughs> they don't know what they are. They're not explicit. I mean, cross-function, sports, massage. You can't get more obvious than what we do. Um, it, they, they don't know what to do. But if they find a sports massage therapist and or it doesn't matter what it is, somebody who's going to orthopedically help them with their pain – they're not wanting to get into that pain again. If you understand the sports and the mechanics of what they are doing and what their body mechanics are for, for, for whatever sport or industry that they're in and not even just sport, you're, you've got laborers, you know, we have Boeing here with people that are sitting there screwing on bolts on planes all day long. Well, what do you think their carpal tunnel and wrist and shoulder complex look like? <laughs> so if you understand that and you can help them with that, then I think therapists do a, a rough job. I'm not going to say a poor job, but it's hard for them to not necessarily sell themselves because they don't want to sound like that, but be like, Hey, we can help make this better, but then let's keep coming in. And we do 30 minute sessions just to, so that this doesn't happen again. And people are like, yeah, I don't want to be in that pain or I don't want to experience pain. So therefore if I do this, it will help alleviate that yeah, I issue the, i think if the public was was listening to this i think they would frankly be surprised that a massage therapist would get in trouble for helping people with a pain condition because the spa only wants to focus on relaxation well and we can't say the word treat yeah. like we have like our industry has no, prevented no, no. us for saying that we can treat in, or in washington state you can't say that you treat soft tissue conditions right why uh, that is diagnosing. Nope. <laughs> so you can't That's not, di diagnose and treat are two <laughs> different things. Do massage therapists treat soft tissue conditions? I say yes. <laughs> I say well, I mean, but in, la in language, I mean, and you tell me I'm in Texas, we have different laws. Like, can you not say that in Washington state? You, it's very politically correct around here. So yeah, um, people can take that in several different ways. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, you, I'm blazing in the Washington state. I'm going to teach you how to treat soft tissue. Come get me. <laughs> <laughs> I see that you're going to be in Yelm next month. So <laughs> no, actually that class will likely be canceled, but yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, COVID is like throwing a monkey wrench in my in-person classes. So. Yeah, COVID is throwing a wrench in a lot of things right now. <laughs> but I see COVID as a huge opportunity for us as well. Because like you were talking with the former guest uh, speaker, they, we now have like the whole Zoom or virtual meetings is now starting to become relevant. Like people are starting to think, hmm, outside the box. And um, it'll be interesting to see how, how that changes the way people view massage classes in the future because i'm definitely going to be holding a business one of my um in my sports massage certification course i've got a business sports massage course uh in there um 
and we're going to be doing a live training for that because you don't need to be hands-on direct watching someone on that. So I think there's going to be more opportunities in this, in this live, in this online training facility later. It'll bump the dial. Like a lot of people are asking me, like, for instance, because I teach online, they're like, Ooh, are you afraid of competition? And I'm like, competition from what? What competition? We've all got other people are teaching online. I'm like, that just (laughs) legitimizes what I was already doing. Like, it doesn't, (laughs) Guys, like they, I don't know. Like, so we put out <laughs> social media content. I, this is the symbol of global distribution, by the way. If you see this on my podcast, I keep doing this. I don't know why. I just noticed that, like, this is sign of global <laughs> distribution. When I make a YouTube video, I'm just not advertising a massage therapist. I'm putting out information to planet Earth. Like, I have right. subscribers in other countries who write me, frankly, and I'm like, wow, for, for a guy in Greece, his English is really, really good, and it's much better than my Greek. Yeah. <laughs> like, when, I, when I put out information, it's like the marketplace in this level is so huge, it's like it starts to change your conception of what you're doing in Washington State. So, for instance, when I say treat soft tissue, it's not because I'm thumbing my nose at regulation in Washington State, it's that there's an interpretation of what massage therapists do and you get stuck in certain sorts of like jargon. It's the definition. What is your definition? And that's where a lot of us have the, the um, setbacks. Uh, we define things differently. And so some people may have more of a conservative definition of a term and other people see it more broad. I'm a broad person. I'm a broad termed person. Like, oh, cool. You do massage. And to me, I don't think the traditional under the covers, face down, face up is massage. That's not the first thing that comes to my mind. If somebody says they do massage, I'm like, what kind? Do you do Thai massage, sports massage? Do you use tools? Do you have that? What kind of massage are you? What injury are you? I think I had a background in high school gymnastics and from 15 to 18, I just destroyed my body. It was like forearm (laughs) splits and doing rings and pulling on your shoulder joints and just ow. Um, I mean, we got an old shoulder thing where I think I, you know, tore some ligaments or something on my shoulder. Um, but it went back to like in, in high school, because we got so sore, it was the first time I'd ever used my body that way. That concept of Swedish gymnastics, like in few, cause it was like, you just hurt so bad. You'd just be like your teammate, like, dude, will you please just bash, please just press on me. And you learned to do that, and you could see historically, it was like back to the Olympics in Greece and going, oh, they had to have some guy smearing olive oil on somebody, going, <laughs> just roughing the guy up and mobilizing his joints because they get sore, you know, being athletes. To me, that's just as much massage, but I think massage also, from a global context, is like, when you start looking globally, it's like there's a lot of like differentiation. So when I was in Istanbul, you went to the Imams, the Turkish bath. And it's like going into a Turkish bath is as much a cleansing ritual as a massage, as a chiropractic adjustment. Like you can't see this here, <laughs> but the guy suds me up, cracks my neck, you know, and it's like, it's amazing. But like, you're like, man, this is illegal in the United States. Like you couldn't, you couldn't do this. But there, it's just part of, it's a different cultural context for what they think massage or um, dealing with bodies is. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's, it's very fascinating to me how things have evolved and changed over the years, both in different uh, cultures, but also in the U.S. I, I think we're really still, in the U.S., I think we're really still trying to define our culture. 
Like, I think we're trying to define yeah. massage in the, the U.S. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, they think we're all high and mighty. We got it all figured out. I'm like, it's only been like 200, 300 years, bro. We're young. <laughs> Greeks, like the Greeks and the Turks hate each other, and for obvious reasons, the Persian Empire. But the thing is, it's like, this has been going on for thousands of years. It's like generation after generation after generation. You know, it's like if you go to Finland, saunas, sauna culture. It's very common for the entire family to get naked and go into the sauna. And mom, dad, and grandma are like, you know, laying around completely naked, like taking shots of vodka, putting like birch, you know, or whatever on the sauna, like steaming it up. It's like, it's just a different cultural context. And that's the thing, like America's still trying to figure it out. And I think that it's interesting that clothes are off, like nudity-based, like massage, has sort of flourished in the United States while at the same time we're very puritanical and like cover up. Yeah, we're trying to meld two cultures almost <laughs> the way it's, yeah. it's doing yeah. it. And so I always just, yeah, I just call it the traditional or non-traditional. So because a lot of people are just used to us exiting the room and them getting underneath the covers and everything that's why when we do the a movement assessment that first of all they're like whoa whoa movement What's assessment this? i've never what? had this before what? what are you doing what what are we going for and then after that i just throw them like hey do you have any shorts no nope. i'm like okay i'm gonna step out of the room throw the shorts at them i'm like step into these and open up the door let's get going <laughs> let's go do our thing and it, it really throws people back for a little bit just because we are we have defined massage in the u.s as the underneath the covers quiet music i play reggae i play one guy likes to listen to rap i'm like okay we're massaging the rap here today guys <laughs> i mean what, what does, because it's all about the client and what the client needs and what they, what, what will help them out. And so if that's going to get them into the state that they want to, to have their massage, then go for it. If I, we're going to have a painful session and they want to put on wrap, I will Pandora that. <laughs> we don't need crickets and running water here oh, to get our God. job you done. Gotta, you got to kill the flowers, please. <laughs> I thought about if I ever opened a facility, there'd be a note symbol with Enya in it. No Enya. Absolutely no Enya. Not. No offense to Enya, but like none. Like I can't, the spa music just kills me completely. I'm just like, just I'm done. I, I, I'm I'm going to go be an investment banker now. I can't, I can't deal with this. Well, the thing I wonder is like when the running water music starts to happen. I'm like, don't people have to go to the bathroom? Isn't that the antithesis of what you well, want to do in a my massage room? My sessions are three hours long, typically. Sometimes a little more, but three wow. hours long. Matt base clothes on, and the students wow. will go, huh? They're like what do you do if somebody has to go to the bathroom? I go, we take a break and they go to the bathroom. And they're like, oh. I'm like, guys, this is, this is just common sense. Like this isn't, <laughs> I mean, it is different, but it's not, you know, insurmountable. Like I don't get feedback from clients that like, well, this isn't a massage. This isn't the service I want. No, they freak out. They're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Why isn't this everywhere? I hear this constantly. Like I'd have a client who'd want to go sell my services to other people, get referrals. And they're like, Robert, I don't know how to describe what you do. And I hit a branding issue because if they tell a massage, they think table cream glide nudity. And I'm like, <laughs> how do we, like, how do we, you know, evolve past that? And that's where there's that dual tier where it's like, am I teaching therapists or am I teaching the public? I'm really just kind of teaching both and just finding who that audience is. 
for me, it's always just finding the people that are my ideal clients and ideal students. Absolutely. And that's when, because I actually came to that dilemma when I was making my sports massage 101 course was who was my target audience. And I had to, I, I built what we called avatars um, just to like get your, your perfect client and your perfect student in my case. And I was like, you know, I can address both of them in this because we want public knowledge to understand sports massage and we want a therapist to understand sports massage. So we're, we're going to be addressing both groups um, in this particular course. And because you're absolutely right. The interesting thing that I find with your situation, like it's, for me, it's obvious sports massage. Okay. Well, we're working with, with athletes or people that have some type of movement in their being They're They're not just the stereotypical well-being feel good type of situation with yours i find a little bit more challenging and and i can see where where you'd run up against this because most people think thai massage is not massage or it's stretchy like it's hard to to put that one in a framework or in a well uh, what's even worse is they'll put it in a framework and say well you're not a small thai lady and i go you're correct Like, you know, and they're like, well, you do teach time massage, but it's more like an American version of time massage. And I go, yeah, like, I, I don't know, the people's uh, preconceived notions, I'm always trying to push past, like the students don't understand, like I talked about, and this is me honoring and acknowledging my uh, limitations and my limitations of knowledge. I don't have as much assessments and correctives, Mm -hmm. but I can learn them. I can add them to the curriculum. You continue to change and evolve. And they're like, no, this is traditional. This is from Thailand. It can't change and evolve. And I'm like, ooh, you lost me. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do the same work 10 years from now that I do right now. I'm sorry. Absolutely not. Yeah. So how do you, how would you, okay, first of all, how, what do you, how do you market yourself? Like, what do you say that you are so that people can understand what it is that you do? So they know what to expect when they come into a session with you. What I tend to do is I don't, um, I remember I started doing this. This is like 10 years ago. Uh, clients would come into a chiropractor's office. I worked at, I was very fortunate. Um, they gave me a very stable number of hours as an employee. And they actually learned to like the fact that I help people with pain because the other therapist just wanted to do relaxation and the chiropractor got tired of trying to adjust 300 pound guys that they couldn't, it was impossible. So I, I buttered these guys up. So they like pressed on them and they're like, Oh my God, what is Robert doing in there? <laughs> so easy to adjust. And then the other therapist started referring people to me because they're like, you have an issue. You need to go see Robert. And they're like, what does he do? And they're like, we don't know. He just seems to be able to help people with pain. So, <laughs> The clients would come in and say, well, what kind of massage do you do? And we only had 30 minutes or an hour. And I'd say, listen, what problem are you having? Like, I didn't even answer the question. I just looked around and said, oh, well, my shoulder hurts. I'm like, okay, where does it hurt? When does it hurt? Like, then I would go into the consult where I'm trying to find out what's going on quickly. I became a very good mechanic, let's say, in 30 minutes. And I was getting repeat clients. And then over time, they allowed me to put in a mat because they're like, Robert, you just do whatever you want. Like, <laughs> I'm like, thank God. It only you gained their like, trust. <laughs> it only took 12 years of fighting every facility I ever worked in to do this. So I had a pr- tendency where, in, like, if, if we said sports massage, the clients don't always know what that is. If we said orthopedic massage, they don't know what that is. If we said time right. massage, 
they don't know what that is. If we said myofascial release, they don't know what that is. If we said trigger point therapy, they don't know what that is. If we said myoskeletal alignment, like on and on and on, what I did was problem, solution. And then it was like, once I did the work and it was effective, then you could say, yeah, I studied Thai massage. I'm a yoga teacher. Um, I have a, a background with chronic pain. So kind of like you, you were an athlete, right? Mm -hmm. it, it fed into what you did. I, I very much focused on problem solutions. So I would make a video for YouTube about carpal tunnel syndrome. And I would explain, listen, a lot of people that I see as a massage therapist, they'll tell me they have carpal tunnel syndrome, but they seem to be having some sort of referred pain, mm -hmm. likely from the radial or ulnar nerve, the median nerve. And then I would say, a lot of them have problems with their forearm flexors, and I'd show them a way of working on that themselves. I would take that video, embed it in a blog post, and then what happens is when people in Austin are searching for, I have carpal tunnel, I, you know, this is last resort, I don't want to get surgery. Somebody who made $100,000 a year working as a programmer would contact me and say, man, can you help me? And I go, give me one session and we'll know whether the problem is so bad that it's beyond what I can deal with as soft tissue or whether there's a large soft tissue component and I can reduce your pain. That was how I made money. That's how I could be arrogant, abrasive, listen to Pete Floyd in session and didn't care. And the whole thing was, it's like, yes, I used Thai massage in an in instance. So like if you put up orthopedic massage on your website, that's an SEO keyword. Yeah. More yep. specific. If yep. you put in, um, you know, sports massage, more specific. If you right. put in like mobility coaching, more specific. Yeah. If I tried to sell it as massage, massage envy was always going to come up on the first page. So right. I kept skewering conditions, sciatica, piriformis syndrome, education. And the thing is, that was what worked to just get a trickle of clients related to keywords like time massage. And um, when it came to like the way you presented yourself, like not only was I a therapist, but I had four workbooks, four sets of DVDs, a subscription service, a thousand videos on my YouTube channel, tons of blog posts. And they're like, even women, I have a home-based practice. Women would go, you know, I was a little worried you might be a serial killer. <laughs> Why? I'm like, I'm like, well, what got you over the hump? And they're like, oh, I watched like 10 of your YouTube videos. It was, it was obvious you were a consummate professional. And it's like, cha-ching. <laughs> the thing is like image. And that's what it is. That's what holding up the phone is. It's like you're crafting your image to draw people. And instead of focusing on more like what I did, I focused on problems and said, are you having this problem? Let's come in and work with you. Are you having this problem? Let's come in and work with you. And I was looking for more specific conditions. Mm -hmm. That was where I really made the impact. They weren't really going to come to me. And I felt like I understood this at some point. I was always focused on chronic pain and I wasn't going to win at a spa game. <laughs> Relaxation. I just wasn't offering Swedish. It wasn't what I was interested in, but I'd have a plumber, you know, come in. He was 250 pounds and, and Bubba was like, oh, my bag is just killing me. And I'm like, come here, Bubba. And he's like, I don't understand. What is this? I'm like, this is going to help you with your pain. Take off your boots and lay down. And he's a genius. <laughs> yep absolutely this is, this is texas absolutely massage a lot of people in jeans and i would I, <laughs> I would bust his ass up and down my mat and it's like you'd have to take a shove and pull him off of my mat just scrape him off the mat and he's just like oh my god dude this is amazing and it's like there you go 
It's like <laughs> plumber. What does a plumber fix? It's like I got a, a pipe, man. It's broke. It's, there's water. It's like you know what it's for. That was how I did it. Um, the challenge is if I have students who are trying to do the same thing, they have to compete at the same level. So like the students, I can hear them. They're kind of like, well, no, but how do we how do we do it and like make it easy? I'm like, what? You think my way is the easy way? You think going your own is the easy way? <laughs> nope. So I just had a curiosity. How did you make the transition from working in the chiropractic office to having your own practice solo? Um, so one of the things that happened was I got to Austin. This is like 12 years ago. Um, I got to Austin. I was so excited to work in a medical like landscape in a chiropractor's office because in Louisiana, Louisiana was the last state in the union to make chiropractic legal. Really? Yeah. So very like behind the times in some ways. Um, in nice. Louisiana, it was much harder at that time to even get a job in a medical facility. So I kept working in like spa facilities and getting in trouble basically. So <laughs> I, I got to Austin, I found a job at Cedar Park with a chiropractor, I had clashes with the chiropractor, worked there a year. And it was like, again, it didn't matter that I could help people. It was like, they kept boxing it in. Like you do what we tell you to do. Yeah. So I got a job at a, um, a nonprofit and I was a volunteer coordinator, nonprofit, something I had no background in, by the way. So when I got that job, you just threw my entrepreneurial spirit into like, figure it out, dude. <laughs> I, I helped that nonprofit grow so much for so little that I eventually got fired because I was having an undue influence on their entire organization because <laughs> All these volunteers came in and glommed onto me and we started to change the whole thing in a way that the executive director was like, no, this is not what we do. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel. <laughs> I went back into massage full time. Like I kept seeing, you know, private clients here and there, but I kind of put my, my massage practice on the back burner. When I got the job at the chiropractor's office that second time, basically I told myself, this is the last time either this works or I go do something else because I cannot, I cannot f force change. Like I couldn't do time massage in any facility. And what happened was again, they had no idea what time massage was. I really cracked open and started just using it on a table and using it very effectively. Lots of sideline, lots of upper back and neck issues, shoulder pain. You know, I got really good at rapid fire 30 minute hour sessions. And then I was only working there 12 hours a week, solid, extremely solid. And at 12 hours a week, all my time and energy went into private practice. Mm -hmm. I started a website, started a YouTube channel, started social media, learned how to blog, all very incrementally, very slowly over time was reading tons of forums about massage business and like, how do you build business? And I you just, found you know, forums on how to do massage business? So years ago, did you? <laughs> no, 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 I mean, th th so there, there are groups out there. I don't want to name too many names and get people in trouble, but um, the, the, the massage nerd was still uh, manif or adminning his group at that time. He's no longer the massage nerd group. There were other massage forums where I was reading stuff about massage business. And what happened was maybe a year after working at the chiropractor's office, I got to this point where I couldn't go any further. In, in my industry. 
So I started Massage Entrepreneurs and I started having the conversations that I thought weren't happening on the other groups. The group exploded. We got 15,000 members. Um, people would come in at like a thousand, two thousand members, and they're like, "Oh my god, they're <laughs> they're they're not even discussing this on other massage groups." And I I know, right? And I just I just kept entrepreneuring. I kept the twelve hours. I was very fiscally conservative. Um, I used all of this money to reinvest, and this kept growing. And it got to the point where I started making enough money in private practice where you went. Ooh, okay, if I make $30 an hour here and I make $80 an hour here, it started to topple. It, it started to go, ooh, I can't afford to stay here. Like I'm making so much money in private practice. This is a, and I very incrementally like saved up to buy a home, pay for a mortgage, and then like went off just completely into private practice, which was nerve wracking, by the way, because I had yeah. a mortgage. If I couldn't pay the mortgage, I was, you know, and I'm going to be in a bind. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and, and, but you have that entrepreneurial spirit and it takes a certain person to be able to want to do the books and want to do, um, uh, do all the back end work, like the YouTube videos, the marketing, the learning about SEO, all of that stuff to make a business viable and successful. Um, that, that definitely takes a certain personality because we have, I actually have a, a couple of massage therapists that had their own practice for, a while, but they just didn't want to do that back end work. And yeah. so they wanted to have the flexibility and not have to pay for had, rent and supplies and all of that. So that's really cool that you were able to yeah, the, the conversation. And it's like, it's not for everybody. I understand. And I don't even judge. Like if a therapist feels happy working at massage envy and that's what they like. Great. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm totally like totally on board with that. Like a deep heartfelt resonance. Like if you're happy doing what you do, great. What I see is, well, I'm not happy. Change it. Mm -hmm. Change it. I, Absolutely. Like, yeah. You have control over your future. The, the two things that I, I think entrepreneurship specifically, like how did I wind up? And it's like, I think there were two things that I valued. I valued freedom and I valued profit. And I could maximize both working completely for myself and innovating. I love it. Changing, developing, you know, doing something other people weren't doing. And then... There was an additional issue because it was like becoming an individual and standing out from the greater society, it means you almost feel ostracized at times. Like, why does, you know, why does Prince dress like that? He's wearing all purple and like women's clothing and ruffles. Or it's like, because he's <laughs> Prince, he can do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you get pointed at, you know, like I would yeah. go to a local massage school and uh, give a presentation. So it had me in to talk about private practice. And I understand the role a little bit of like social proof. So when I would go in to give a talk about private practice, I would have a videographer with me. And I'd have a wireless mic and I was giving the presentation and my camera guys in the back and the students are like, what is going on? What is this guy doing? I don't, you know, and it's like, I'm working. <laughs> what do you mean what like, I doing? you don't have your own camera guy what are you doing with your life like this is what you're you know but the thing is it would freak everybody out of the school because they have rules about no video production because they literally ban phones from the room and i go no this is my talk everybody is clothed i'm talking about business it promotes you your school it promotes me like this is how it is. Like, if, if you don't want me to talk at your school, tell me you don't want me to talk. But like, I can't, I can't wait for you to evolve. Like, 
me, <laughs> business, especially in COVID, it's like evolve or die. Like, Absolutely. Are you going to adapt? And how quickly is that going to happen? Yeah. So anyway, um, I love just it. going in and recording that conversation, the difference is the students in class just don't benefit. The people who watch it on YouTube benefit. The other massage students benefit. You turn it into a blog post. You're you know, using this to kind of bring people along your, your story. Absolutely. I mean, this is, it's a message to my own heart. This is what I noticed when I saw on you guys and was listening to yours, your conversations was exactly this. It's like, I found my people. <laughs> they get it. Yeah, when, when you, not my own little box anymore. When you find, yeah. When you find Sean and I, it's like appealing. I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's a unique individual. <laughs> Yes, I'm going to listen to all of it. <laughs> no, because there is that out there. And it's really cool to see people that are like-minded in that situation. So it's, it's uh, I, you mentioned ostrac being ostracized or having that feeling. And I don't feel ostracized. I've got a good community around it. It's just it's small. It's very small. And so you have to hunt to find those people who think that way <laughs> especially in, yeah. around where I'm at <laughs> I mean no, I, I give a talk at school and a, a young lady would say I don't understand like what are you doing for three hours and I took a pause and I said some of the best body work on earth oh and you could you could feel it like fuck this guy this guy's fucking arrogant. And I'm like, listen, I did not survive on my personality and I don't survive <laughs> on my good looks. I survive <laughs> on effectiveness and problem solving. And the thing is, I've told students this repeatedly. You ever watch House? Uh, yeah, I love House. House? <laughs> the House? Like, I watched House and I haven't seen all of it, but I watched like several seasons of it. And there's an episode where he talks about how he kind of became that character. And it was from a guy who was Ainu, which the indigenous people in Japan. And this Ainu guy was drunk. He worked at a hospital in Japan, but he was so good at what he did. They had and needed him. So they tolerated the fact that he smelled bad and he stunk and he was a drunk. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm house. <laughs> like I, they have to tolerate my abrasiveness. And he's, he's drinking. What is he doing? Like, oh my God, he doesn't follow the rules, but they need me. <laughs> I, I'm just shocked that they responded that way when you when you said that because to me that's touching I'm like oh you know that that's it's not arrogant it's not it's just you're stating you're just yeah, stating so how you notice I've had that. these conversations about arrogance and confidence and the difference and then what I've told people is, okay, what's the difference between somebody who's crazy and somebody who's eccentric? <laughs> and I'll tell you what it is, money. And mm. my goal is to become eccentric. They think I'm crazy <laughs> right now, but once I have enough money, they go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I think what you're doing is great. I think it's a good service to our community and building our community up and getting us out of that box. And being able to not only give the tools and resources, both online, um, 
uh, on podcasts, on other different resources, but also being able to get the message out there through books and DVDs and literature and hands-on. I think you're, you're doing a great thing. You're doing a great service to, to our industry. So I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> more, more colleagues. More, more, yeah. like, so people's notions of competition, people really do this. They're like, well, but she teaches too. Like, what if, you know, what if she takes your students? And I'm like, what? I'm like, no, I don't expect everybody to learn everything from me. Like, go study with other people who do crazy stuff and like learn from them and like create better body work. Like, I create your own thing. Put, put, go do this, do this, do this, do that. There is so much knowledge in this world. So many people have great ideas and concepts and you can never learn enough in our, even just like in one industry or one silo within our industry you, you can't like you could there could be three fossil specialists yep. that are really well known in this area and they still can't reach the amount of when people I, when that I talk are about, needed uh modalities it's like myofascial release um watsu you know whether they're trademarked or not like where are these facilities there's only massage facilities. And that's what I keep trying to explain is like, we can create Whataburger in and out all this other stuff. Like I'm trying to seed, I guess, like innovation and sort of creativity niche services within the industry. I know they're there. Right. Like I don't offer aquatic therapies. It's not that I'm against it. I just don't have a pool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I don't know if a person can, touch every one of those industries themselves anyway like it's cool to have specialists that that really deep dive into specific subjects and you can learn all there is to know about the way that subject matter expert teaches and then you can go to a similar subject matter expert and they have their training and knowledge in different people and different resources and you can then learn from them it's it's just this field is not constricted and there are so many things out there that you could learn for a lifetime and still not get all the knowledge you need the, the therapist always the market's saturated I'm like, oh no saturated no, not even what? close like there's <laughs> like i live in austin the bulk of my austin community not massage therapists just generally they have yeah. no idea who i am <laughs> 1.6 million people in the greater austin area like i can't even remotely serve that population not even this <laughs> <laughs> You're saying you can't have 80 hours in a day? No, like I can't, I can't even, I might be able to figure out how to like stand on two people at once, but even that is still just like a small percentage. But I mean, even if you just think about it, how many massage therapists are licensed as massage therapists in the U.S. alone just for every silo of or every modality and then you start doing these segmentations that aren't just face down face up under the covers how many yeah. more out there are either doing that or not doing that like we can we have the ability to touch so many more people this way than we can just one-on-one -on -one in our little office rooms so i'm yeah i think you're doing a great job the other part <laughs> is, is education yeah the other part is you put out information that allow you to draw in your, your real ideal people. But real, I mean, the hardcore fans that become clients, students, the, the hardcore, whoever these people are. It's like somebody who gets into Bruce Lee, you know, it's like, and they get into Bruce Lee and they study Jeet Kune Do and they watch every video and every movie and they're trying to read about Jeet Kune Do and, you know, they, 
they're, they're rabid. Those are the sorts of early adopters, sort of fans that I really want. And then I find as these grow, I'm less concerned with like the bigger marketplace because I'm just busy serving my people. Absolutely. Well, that's who you're, what I call an avatar. That's who they are. You know, that's, that's your, your people, that's your segment, that's your group. So being able to cultivate that relationship and that um, uh, message and knowledge base is huge. And that's, you know, you focus on that, you win. What, um, totally. what, ch what challenges are you having in business? Because it sounds like you were doing quite well uh, pre-COVID. You moved into a new office. Like, what challenges are you having in business? And they could be COVID-related, which everybody's you know, in the massage industry right now. is kind of freaking out. But um, what, what challenges are, do you have in business specifically? That's a good question. Once COVID came out, we had to change our practices a little bit. We are still working with people right now. I am. I actually had to lay off all my therapists so they could get unemployment because yeah. the we just didn't have the numbers and it's fair to them to be able to get unemployment while we're sitting here waiting this out and waiting for people to figure out where their next steps are, whether that be their government or personal decisions. Um, but I'm still open for a minimal amount of time. Um, we're following a lot of different protocols like... Um, I'm working with people that have been like in car accidents or have been in, um, um, I have a lot of health, health people that are working 15 hour shifts and they, they need, they need sports massage. So we've got a, um, we've got one of these, let me show it to you. We got our little, um, thermometer that you take your temperature when they come in. We've got Purell. We make them wash their hands before they come in. We wear cloth masks just to help. It's, uh, you know, I think it's more public, just making the public feel more safe. Um, and we've got air purifiers, HEPA, um, HEPA filters with UVC lights in them. So that's kind of the, the stuff that we're doing right now. And I think afterward, um, I haven't done any telehealth yet. Most, um, we've been putting out some videos on how-to tutorials through our Facebook uh, um, to help people that are running and like not get plantar fasciitis and other types of things while they're doing these activities without help. So we're doing like free tutorials just on our, our Facebook pages. Um, and some of that stuff will probably continue after the COVID is finished. Um, just, I mean, having an air filter in the room is always nice. <laughs> um, having hand sanitizer in every corner of your office is helpful. Um, we'll probably do away with the masks, but I don't even see anything wrong with taking someone's temp. I mean, I don't really want to be working on someone with a fever. This might be a way to introduce that to the society, especially in Seattle where they're very concerned about yeah. those types of things. I know everybody in the different parts of the U S have different thoughts and feelings on all of that. What, but that you, helps. Um, what are you having is like non COVID? Like were there issues in your business that you were kind of bumping into that you couldn't quite figure out before COVID happened? Yeah. No, our problem is we didn't have, problem was we were having space issues. <laughs> so we had, so I started out this business very organically. Um, I had a little room and with a bunch of talk therapists were down the hall and I just had my little massage room that I rented. And then from there I got an employee. So I became, um, I had another business and I kind of made that my cross-function sports massage, my side business for until I could build out of the corporate world and out of the spa world. Um, 
and then made that full time, added an employee. Well, now we have two people working in one room. Well, within six months, we were both so full of clients that we needed to get another room. So, and then I, I hired like two more people. We just don't have the space. This so is now what we find interesting. So I deal a lot with students who maybe want to go on their own. They're not completely happy with their spa gig or wherever they work. Why is it that independent therapists find it so hard to get clients and you're bursting at the seams? What's the difference? I believe it's niche and I believe it's marketing and I believe it's knowing what you're worth. I think a lot of therapists start out and they give these $35 an hour massages or they group on to death. What people don't understand about group on is that they force you to take 40% of your uh, off of your service to begin with. And then they only give you half of what it is you got because you're using their service and it just, it, it sinks you. So I think it's, um, for me, I'm like you, I'm tenacious. So I don't stop. Um, I will go out because I am sports specific. I will go out to the clubs. I will work with the teams, yep. uh, all of that. And so I, I think that's what makes it successful. I would do for free. I wouldn't yep. even charge sometimes just to get people to know me. Like the time I size jam, I run in Austin therapists are like, I don't understand. What is this? I'm like, it's a community bodywork event. And they're like, what the hell is that? I'm like, we created it. <laughs> like, Okay, classes are expensive. You can come study with me for free every Thursday night. It's fine. And they're like, what? And I go, oh, my God. Like, listen, Susie, John, you guys are a couple. Come to Time Massage Jam. I'll show you how to work on each other. And they're like, oh, my God, we can do this? I'm like, yeah, this isn't rocket science. But the thing is, like, why, why does he do this? And I go, because every time we make, like, an hour video where I'm showing people hanging out, having fun, mat-based, and they're like, they can't see the bigger – distribution of like normalizing what I do of like people have to know who you are to be able to request your services. Well, and you have to know the people who know people. So you can work with like people one-on-one, -on -one, but for me, I'll go to the coaches of these different clubs or organizations and say, Hey, come here and get a massage from me. It doesn't, no cost. Just see what we do and what we're about because sports massage is so different. We're on top of the table in shorts and a tank top or whatever. And a lot of people haven't experienced this before. We use percussive tools and I don't fully agree with the philosophy of static cupping. I'm a movement cupping therapist, like dynamic, um, but we'll use tape and movement cupping and stretching and all this stuff. And they come back and then while I'm doing it, I'm, I'm just telling them how it could help with their industry. So let's say it's a, let's for example, say it's a swimming coach. Well, swimming coach doesn't really care about the other sports, but if you can say, well, hey, this helps with your extension on the dive when they're coming through, if you can get your hips to be more mobile. And if it's shoulder mobilities, a lot of times they have issues with their, because they're breathing and they're holding their breath while they're making these movements. So you got diaphragm issues. So it's like, here, here's some things that we would do for people that have diaphragm stuff. So you, you let them know how you can service and help their athletes so that they can get better. Yeah. And then they tell their whole team. Now you didn't have to do 12 massages. You just did one. And then that person proliferates your message. That's in yeah. my situation. <sighs> On some levels, it seems so simple, but I think most of what I've seen, and I would tell people this, I do think a lot of therapists could work on their technique. That's, that, and that's always adapting and evolving and changing, growing. But I think most therapists aren't making it because of the business. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's why when I found this group, I was like, yes, <laughs> they yeah. understand business yeah. because you have, you have to know it's not, what do they say? 
the, the old saying, you build it, they will come. You build it, they will not come. <laughs> you have to build it and then market it and no different techniques so what, of how to do that. What group was it that you found? I found the Massage Entrepreneurs Facebook group. Oh, okay. Yours. Yeah. I, I, was, I was assuming that was what it was, but I was just asking. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I, I don't, I get a little tired of being in groups where all they do is complain about other people's practices and they what, complain what about massage entrepreneurs then. <laughs> Oh, I love entrepreneurs. No, man, it's, it's rough. It's rough. So one of the things people don't understand about the group is I, I, I allow a real degree of like transparency and I allow posts that other groups don't. Um, I allow mm -hmm. people to sell directly so long as the post has value in the post. Like if you had a, an, an educational, like a training thing or something and you said, hey, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what it is. And the, the post teaches them something about social media marketing. And you say, Hey, if you want to buy, you can't, we allow that other groups do not. They're like, that's Oh yeah. Emotional. That's totally can't. against it. Against. And I'm like, I have a problem with an industry that doesn't understand business. And then is teaching people that self-promotion is against interests somehow. Like, the reason we allow certain things in the group and it's like, and, and also, you know, I get to be a troll. You can't be, like I can say <laughs> whatever I want. And like, it's it's I'm like, get out. <laughs> but, you know, when they say, and I hear this constantly on massage groups, like self-promotion, you can't post that here. It's like, I don't, I think that's some, I think that is actually contrary to teaching massage therapists good business practice. Yeah, it's telling them that they can't succeed. It's in effect telling them they can't succeed. It's putting them in a box. It's saying you can only do X, Y, Z. Well, then you're going to have that person unhappy working in, in your case, a chiropractic office for the rest of your life. And that's not fair. Like if somebody's got that entrepreneurial spirit and that ability and that drive and that desire, why are you limiting that process? And there's so much knowledge and understanding that can go around like we all have something to add and to this community and entrepreneurship is one of those why is that bad i don't understand so yeah i don't get it uh yeah i'm not i'm not, I'm not completely certain i can't i can't completely figure it out but um a lot of therapists are just in the group they don't even treat it as an entrepreneur group like i lean heavily towards the entrepreneur is not so much the massage and that's the difference. A lot of people are leaning towards the massage part. And I'm like, if I see another post about how to file for unemployment, I'm like, <laughs> that's why I've been trying to get you to entrepreneur is so you have money. Like you don't have even just a thousand dollars, just an emergency fund, just a grand. You don't have anything. Yeah. I mean, because they don't, do they teach, do they teach money courses in, in massage school? Like business courses? Ouch, like ouch, people. This hurts. This hurts. <laughs> this hurts. <laughs> I mean, you have to, there, there's an ice fund in case of emergency fund. And, and it can only be like just, just a little tiny bit of savings does add up over time. Same with like saving up for taxes. You got to do it. Well, emergencies are going to happen. They don't, they don't, this, this skill is not learned in the massage world in my opinion. What, what I tend or to do is not I, well. I, don't, I don't get angry. Um, I learned this over time as a therapist. So for instance, I would work on someone, soft tissue treatments, and then I would say, hey, this is how you can use a tennis ball or a foam roller or something. You could I'd try to empower them to work on themselves. Yeah. And some people didn't or didn't care to. And it's like, cool, it's fine. Like, I don't, I don't have an emotional attachment to whether you use what I'm teaching you. 
But to see a mass industry go, oh my God, I got to file for unemployment. I go, okay, just keep educating, keep drawing your target audience, keep giving people stuff. But like, I can't have an emotional investment or whether they actually learn the entrepreneur themselves. It's like, well, how do I, you know, how do I start a YouTube channel? I'm like, go to YouTube and type in, how do I start a YouTube channel? And they're like, oh, like guys, they didn't teach me this in high school. They didn't teach it to me in college. I learned it because I'm just ornery. And I go, how do I figure this shit out? This guy's got a YouTube channel. How do I do this? And you go to Google and you go, how do I start a YouTube channel? And you spend a lot of time reading FAQs and articles and watching videos, which am I excited about tech and FAQs and geekery and learning how to connect software? No, but I'm excited about building my business, which is connected to having those tools. Absolutely. And another thing that people don't understand is that you can be working for someone, but have another revenue stream outside of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you know what, all those little things that people sign, let's say they love working at massage MB. I'm just going to use that as an example. That's fine. The little clause that they sign that says you can't do massage within a 10 mile radius or whatever that they make you do. Don't do hands-on massage, do other things. There's a lot of other things you can do within the massage world besides massage. And that will save your hands. That will make an additional income stream for when things like this happen, you have something to bank on. He's thinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's a rough time. Everybody's dealing with COVID. You know, it's like if I had three revenue streams, two of them just vanished overnight. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm still surviving. But like, yeah, I've gone and looked at the unemployment thing and may, may file. But at the same time, you know, I have a little more cushion than most of the therapists I know. And it's frustrating to see the, the overall landscape of like what's happened. Um, one of the reasons I've done these podcasts so aggressively during this time is frankly, I'm isolated. <laughs> I get a chance to talk. I get a chance <laughs> to connect with people. And I produce more video for my you know, social media. So I'm trying to take advantage. And even in my subscribers group, I'm like, guys, why aren't you working on your business? And they're like, well, CDC. And I'm like, no, I don't mean see clients. I mean, why aren't you building a YouTube channel? Why aren't you starting an Instagram account or learning how to do TikTok videos? Like, why aren't you building a blog? And they're like, almost annoyed. Like, you don't get to tell me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not telling you what you need to do. You come to me for education. I don't recommend you spend the next six weeks or two months doing nothing. I mean, you can. Like, if you, if, you, if you want to take a break, please take a break. But don't come to me later and complain about your business. Like, it's amazing. Like, I submitted, since this has happened, I submitted three courses to the National Certification Board. Why? Because I got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Nope. I totally hear you. And so for me, I, um, my biggest challenge here is I opened up this 2,700 square foot facility for sports recovery, including cryotherapy, um, movement classes. Like we're doing sports yoga classes, stick mobility classes. Um, we're doing, um, compression, leg compression, all this kind of stuff. So, and I had all these resources lined up clubs and, uh, uh sport clubs and other people that were interested in having their athletes come to our facility along with some other businesses. 
And then the COVID thing happened. And of course you can't compete in sports. You can't be in a facility. You can't be more than six feet away from each other, like, or less than six feet away from each other. So, so basically we got shut down two days after we opened this huge, very expensive facility. <laughs> so that would be our main, my main challenge. Um, massage dropped to barely any clients. Um, my therapist couldn't work. And uh, um, this beautiful uh, facility with lots and lots of loans <laughs> and, and, and debt can is is on hold right now so then it's like okay well what are the next things that we can do so i was just you know looking around for opportunity just looking around at different things i'm like okay well who can i be involved with what more what groups can i join what can i learn on self-help learn like so i'm going to be getting my uh master's um personal training certification the master's level um i just need to take one more course all right let's do it <laughs> so there's a lot of different things that a person can do besides twiddle their thumbs and that's so it does present some opportunities even though it sucks <laughs> yeah i mean it's not ideal it's not ideal in any way shape or form I'm, I'm 42 i've never seen anything like this it just you know hit everybody but it's not just our industry it's every industry like i really don't know because i'm not watching the news and i'm not how do i put this I'm consuming some basic information, but I'm not really going out trying to find out, well, how do restaurants deal with this? It's like, right. man, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sorry. Guys. <laughs> like if I can help you in any way, please let me know. I'll have you on the podcast, but it's like, you know, it's a frustrating situation, but at some point things I assume are going to return to normal and we're, we're not going to be living like it's the walking dead. Society is not going to collapse, you know, regardless of how invasive or how debilitating COVID is. Um, right. I assume that things are going to slowly get back to normal, even if the economy is in recession. And because I work on chronic pain, I'm like, there'll be people in chronic pain. I'll be working. Like, I'll just continue, you know, building however I have to. And I'm hardcore enough, like, listen, it's like, if it gets a little bit more fiscally tight, I may just have to go get a job. And I'm right. the best H-E-B bagger you have ever worked with. And I'll take out my <laughs> Instagram story and I'm out here at H-E-B, entrepreneuring. And it has something to do with massage. And I'm like, dude, I meet people all day. Like, I got to pay bills, man. Like, you know, I, I built a business working somewhere else, right? Right. Because that was how I got started. I'm not against this. Like, this is a, 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 a valid piece of entrepreneurship is delivering pizza and then investing in your dream. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's, yeah, there's nothing that says we just have to be a massage. <laughs> we can do Uber, Uber Eats or ClickList <laughs> right now if you need to. Um, we've, there's so many people that are on unemployed, that are, that have been laid off right now, but there are so many jobs around here anyway that are available that are just those, you know, maybe doing groceries or something, but you're still making ends meet and your end goal is still your massage business. So there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> awesome. People think entrepreneurship is just, Oh, I had a great idea success. And I'm like, if you really, if you really totaled, well, let's let me ask you a question. So if you really totaled the average, the number of hours you put in, <laughs> you're laughing already. You know where this is going. If you, if you really look at the number of hours you put in everything related to your business, how much do you make up per hour on average? I don't want to know. You're like, I don't want to know that number. Because you know, it's like, there's so much behind the scenes. Right? 
I'm going to pretend like those uh, midnight things getting these classes out <laughs> don't count. Yeah. <laughs> Telling my husband, hey, I'll be home a few hours later tonight. <laughs> yeah, it, there's a lot of behind this, but that's what makes it successful. You, you can't just come and massage and go home and then it works it there's a lot of stuff that you have to do behind yes. um and depending on what it is that you're doing i mean even if you just I have a standard sometimes and it's like why why do i even do it because you could go, just go get a job like it just be, oh, I'm tired. Just go get a job. <laughs> and it's like why do, but why do you do it like what is the driving impetus absolutely absolutely and i think until people find I think that's why I got into massage because I was a very successful in IT. I was very successful. I, I was a account executive for a mapping software company um, at the age of 20, how old was I? 25, <laughs> 24. Um, I was also doing coaching on the side and actually my soul fulfillment. I liked my job, but I loved coaching. I, I, I liked helping people out. I liked the idea of, of being able to help solve problems that I had in my IT position but I loved working with athletes and I, and being an athlete myself, I feel like I could relate to them. And so the times that I'm doing these midnight burning the midnight oil and it's that driving that soul fulfillment is there and you can't put a price on that and you can't put time on that. Yep. The soul thing, like people um, who have nine to fives, they kind of look forward to the weekends and I've had this happen where they're like, dude, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, what? Like, I'm working. <laughs> they're like, dude, do you ever take off? And I'm like, I'm going to take naps. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I love what I do. And it's not that I don't ever take a day off, because sometimes I do. But when people ask me, you know, why, what, like, what's the burning thing? And it's like, listen, I can help people exponentially. Yeah. with chronic pain that doesn't involve surgery and doesn't involve medications. Yeah. And I can change an entire industry if, if my ideas are correct. Yeah. It's like, that's awesome. That's like a life well lived. Like in the end, it's like, do deeply, do you actually enjoy what you do? Yeah. And if you don't, even why are you working with as a massage therapist? Like go do something else. There's tons, right. of, you know, tons of careers, tons of jobs, tons of things you can do. Like to talk to someone at a party, I had this happen where there's a lot of guys in Austin who work in the tech landscape, IT. Um, and I talked to a young lady and she's like, oh my God, Robert, you escaped. And I went, huh? And she's like, Robert, all the guys at this party work in IT. They make a hundred thousand plus dollars a year and they're horribly miserable. Like they don't really like their jobs. They just have a good job that pays the bills. She's like, you just sat and talked about what you did for 20 minutes. Like it was the most exhilarating thing you've ever dealt with. And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I guess other people just have jobs. I don't, I don't know. I don't do that anymore. Right. I agree. I 100% agree. Like that just, all, all the stuff you just mentioned just like almost made me want to cry. I'm like, I get it. I understand. And I think when people find that, they, <laughs> as I say, you're my people. It's, it's when you get that soul, when you get, you get, find that soul career, it's not a career anymore. It's just, and, and to me, massage is an industry that it is helping others. And I mean, we can be dry, driven and tr- 
tenacious in what we do, but our end goal is to help others in their, in their life path, in their journey of, of physical healing. And I mean, it, it, we all know that if we're physically in pain or if a client is physically in pain, our mental psyche goes down, right? Like our, like everything about us gets drugged down because we are physically unable to do the different things that we like to do to, uh, in, in our daily lives. And so if we can help, if we can help people with that, we're helping them in every area. And that's I, one of the uh, main reason why I love this career. It's a good industry. But so. I spend so much time teaching online now. I had a, a yoga student, Tony. Tony was like, Robert, don't you still want to teach like yoga classes in person? And I go, yeah, like you're here in yoga class. Like I'm still teaching. She's like, but you spend so much time teaching online. And I'm like, Tony, I get to take, if like if I if I recorded you right now and we made a class, I can put that out and help ten thousand people. This information exponentially increases the reach and potential care that people have. That's what I do now. Like That's I, I'm not going to stop seeing clients or stop teaching students or stop having in-person classes post-COVID. The right. difference is I'm taking all of this, documenting it, and going scale globally. Like the students, they think it's like, oh, I just want to go teach in Omaha. No, 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 no. I want to teach in Tokyo. I want to teach in Istanbul. I want to teach in Athens. I want to teach in Belgium. Yeah, it's like Brussels. It's like I want to go, you know, to Rio, man, and have a full class of students who are ready to learn and teaching me Brazilian while I'm trying to help them with their English. Like <laughs> this is a, you know, global uh, marketplace. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's awesome. And I'm so glad that, you know, there's, you're willing, willing to do that. That's great. And I'm so glad that you're wanting to talk with me today on this, on this uh, podcast and video cast. Thank you for that. It expands, expands people's parameters. Also, um, I get someone who's more attractive than me, who represents <laughs> women in the marketplace to go, wow, maybe Robert isn't a complete jerk. You know? <laughs> He's not. And what you say is ornery. I don't call ornery. I call it tenacious. It's tenacious. tenacious. It's, yes. <laughs> you're, you're going out, you know what you want and you're going out there and getting it. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's various opinions and people are allowed to have those. Um, is, there <laughs> anything else, is there anything else that comes up for you that you absolutely wanted to discuss while you were here um not really I think we did a really good job of elaborating I can't believe that it's already been almost two hours of talking mm-hmm. I had no idea yeah, I, I, mean, I guess fast. when you're really passionate about a subject you could talk for hours about something right <laughs> yeah I've had people debate me they're like man people won't listen to a podcast that's over an hour and I go I mean fans will like I don't like I just how, how to put this? Um, like, do they want long videos, short videos? You know, like I don't know. I just keep making stuff and seeing what people respond to. Like, I don't. <laughs> I, we I, actually did that with our uh, social media. I was like, well, for Instagram, I go, what? What do my audience? What is my audience like? So I purposely put a video that was ten minutes long on my Instagram for Instagram. Um, what's it called? The Instagram IGTV. live. Yeah, TV. Either just that to or see. Live. Yeah. yeah, I did TV just to see how long they, how many 
clicks we'd get. And then I did live to see how long somebody would watch through the whole thing. Like when is their cut off for yeah. the Instagram thing? Just, I'm curious. I don't know what my audience is. So I'm going to put something really short and then I'm going to put something really long. I'm going to talk about subjects of how to do injury prevention. And then I'm going to talk about subjects of like what our equipment is and then just what I'm doing for the day. Like, Hey, here's our coffee maker. Let's see what people are interested in and just throwing it out there. Cause you just don't know what's going to stick until, until you try. <laughs> yeah. The, so that's the, been fun the, for me. The documentation, <laughs> somebody commented that they thought the degree of transparency I was trying to promote, like you had to share your trials and tribulations, you know? And I'm like, well, I mean, you can, but it's like, you're just showing them you, right? It's just building personal brand. It's like, it's interesting to me because we both know that we have an industry where there's a deep connection with clients because of touch. Right. But at the same time, therapists aren't using social media to build connection prior to getting to touch. Right. Like this builds just as much heart resonance. Like if it's done well, where you're like, I mean, literally, like in this, uh, do you have ch children, by the way? I have two grown stepkids. <laughs> okay. So, um, like, moms will come on, and, and they'll be in the podcast, and, like, their kid will wander in, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, that's great. That totally humanized, like, she's a mom. She's busy. The kids are like, mom, what do you mean? <laughs> like, it builds personal brands. Like, I try to express to students that sometimes it's not what I do well that builds a brand it's when I flub and I move and slur my words or I you know say something <laughs> wrong or I, I say this muscle and mean something else like I did a YouTube video I was doing some abdominal work and I said something about being on the carotid artery <laughs> and I didn't I didn't notice it because I'm just busy teaching while and I just, just said talking it. you're just yeah. doing it and the thing is somebody on YouTube comes like that's not the carotid that's the abdominal aorta and I'm like the fact that they commented on an error you listen to it <laughs> is what boosts up the algorithm so more people see it so it's almost like the things that that brand you as you you know or whatever <laughs> like makes it more personal it makes it more like what i get from students for instance they're like they um i ask them to be on the podcast and they're like wow robert's just he's so real you know he's so approachable and i'm like i'm just a guy like <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> yep it's uh absolutely it's all about that, that human connection <laughs> that's funny i i've i laugh because i've i've done that too <laughs> where you're just you're just getting into your talking and then suddenly you're like wait a minute that that's not what i meant <laughs> and people catch you but they're listening perfection so. perfection is not the age of the smartphone it's not hollywood <laughs> it is absolutely I take, and I express this to students about social media uh, for personal branding. It's like, um, I'm a cook. I like booze. Uh, I like tequila. So I take photos <laughs> of meals and tequila and other stuff. I'm, I'm in Texas, so like Tex-Mex and barbecue is a big deal. So I take photos of that sort of thing just to build a brand around my kind of lifestyle. Um, yeah. Yoga, you know, adding like diversity to my YouTube channel. I don't see a downside to having that. If anything, I think it builds connection that then manifests where they trust you and want, you know, their friends, family, loved ones to come get a session with you. Um, right. Networking with other businesses and trying to explain to them, listen, go to the local ice cream shop post COVID 
you know, take a picture of their ice cream, tag them in this Instagram thing. And they're like, Oh, it's like you're promoting their business in the hope that, yeah, that they'll comment like your stuff and like your business. It's marketing Digital 101. Networking. <laughs> Digital <laughs> networking. Like I, I, I squeeze like a little fangirl. Um, I don't know if you saw this on my Instagram. So I, I, I was on Twitter and I found a post. I follow Ice-T and I love, I love Ice-T on Twitter. He's just so raw, so OG, you know, body count, hip hop, you know. Uh, West Coast, his wife Coco, like a lovely little family. And um, he, there was a picture of him just laid back <laughs> on a boat. He looks like a private jet. He's got glasses on, just like the coolest guy has ever lived. And he's like, this is me thinking about my haters or something like that. <laughs> and I, I screenshotted that from Twitter. And I clipped it and put it on my Instagram. And I tagged Ice-T and I said, this is who I go to for business advice. And I hashtagged Guru and I hashtagged OG. And like five minutes later, Ice-T liked my post. Dude, I squeaked for 10 minutes. I was like, yeah, Ice-T liked my Instagram post, you know? <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, why would Ice-T like it? Like it was his post. But what I did is I promoted him through my feed. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, you know, building these sort of digital connections with people I find interesting or inspirational. That piece of social media marketing for massage therapists, I feel like, is just completely lost. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to continue talking about it, and developing it, and you know, it, it's like um, documenting the process and evolution and growth. Like the students are concerned about perfection. They think it has to be, you know, a formal DVD. And it's like, no, it's just documenting what you do as you do it. And like, it's about being better. It's not going to be about being perfect. It'll never be perfect. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and even the people that write documentation or write books, like 10 years later, they look back on their stuff and like, hmm, I don't know if I agree with what I said anymore. Let me do a revised version. <laughs> so it's version two. Updates. That's right. Yeah. Point That's right. one version. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's just been a pleasure to, to talk with the community that, 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 that understands. So I appreciate you having me on here today and cool. shooting the breeze with all of this. <laughs> so, uh, before we head out, can you give people your website and your social media shares again? Yes, it is crossfunctionmassage.com, C-R-O-S-S-F-U-N-C-T-I-O-N, massage.com. And we um, yeah, just launched our online courses there. It's just on our CE education page. And then you can find us at Crossfunction Massage on Instagram and on Facebook. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So guys, uh, thank you so much for uh, Jenny Mapes uh, being on the program today. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to pick up stuff from me, there's retail available on my store on robertgardnerwellness.com. There's also a free trial for the month for our subscription service. There's about 500 hours of my classes and private trainings available to you absolutely free. And we give CE credit to uh, subscribers, usually as a bonus for free. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I'll see you again soon. And thank you again so much to Jenny Mapes for coming on the program with me. Awesome. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. <laughs>